Thank you for joining me for another episode about real estate investing. I'm super excited about today's episode. I had a long and very detailed conversation with a title expert. We as investors tend to not give a lot of attention to title and kind of take it for granted. By the end of the interview I did with Steve, which you will hear in a minute, I told him this had been one of the most informative conversation, conversations I have had in a very long time. And I talk real estate and I talk to professional people on a regular basis, weekly basis. We dove into primarily two things. The issue of property theft and things that tend to be neglected when it comes to title. I think this episode is super important for everyone to listen carefully. And I will even say, take some notes. Enjoy the episode with Steve about title, property theft, and things we need to know or pay attention to when using a title company. All right. Uh, thank you for joining me here, Danny, for another session. Um, as you know all too well, I love talking about real estate. I probably, most of my conversations are real estate related, real estate investing related. And actually today I have a guest that I've been on my, someone from that uh, industry or that aspect uh, of real estate investing. It's been on my list. You don't even know that, Steve. For a long time to bring someone to talk about title. Now, you may think, oh, title, right? Everybody knows what title is, or a lot most people know what title is. And I told Steve, I requested Steve, when he comes and, and, and talks to me about title, and we actually had a conversation about three weeks ago, something that I brought up with him, and he was the first person I spoke to about it. And I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, um, was the first logical, reasonable, intelligent conversation I had about this very concerning topic to me. So I thought to myself, I, I, have to have to, I have to bring a person to talk about this issue and we might as well talk about a little bit about title. So what we're gonna do, what I would like to do, Steve, and Steve, thank you for taking the time from your uh, busy schedule. Uh, I guess East Coast, you're probably uh, heading towards the end of the day, maybe, I don't know. Um, Just getting started. Just getting started. That's good. Uh, Steve, what, what I would like to do um, sure. is maybe four things. Maybe uh, start with kind of a quick intro about yourself, about the services. Sure. Maybe, uh, not maybe, just maybe a few words about title. So we, people have general understanding what title is all about. And then I want to tackle two mainly, the, what I would like to accomplish in this conversation, two things. Number one, we had a conversation, which for me was a really intelligent to the point conversation about what I call property theft and how to avoid the property theft. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh, property theft, someone come with a crane and move and, and steal the property. No, 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 that's not what I mean. When I say property theft, I mean someone somehow gets into becoming me, you know, uh, as the owner and sell it to someone else. So when I say theft of a property, I actually mean someone is manipulating the system and we're gonna talk about 
if it can be done or how can we prevent it or what are the uh, mechanisms that are protecting me, the owner. And then when we're done with this part, what, uh, what I would like to talk is a little bit the more things title has to offer or we should know beyond the basic, you know, title, uh, maybe stuff that we all, many of us just use and don't really dive into. So without more, uh, without more, uh, um, you know, uh, um, talking, uh, talking on me, why don't you start, Steve, on your end with introduction and everything that I uh, requested and we'll just flow with the conversation. Danny, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being a part of this. Um, so my name is Steve Papermaster. Uh, I'm an attorney, I'm the president of First Title and Escrow. We're a national title and closing services company. Uh, we operate as a licensed agent in 40 plus states around the country, have locations um, and locations throughout. Uh, what we do and who we provide services to is everyone from the standard, the home purchaser that comes to us that uh, is buying a property in a local area. It's gonna be real estate agents, brokers, mortgage companies, right? Because banks, credit unions, all different types of lenders, uh, as well as institutional type of clients, uh, such as government agencies we work with as well. Um, so we support them. It could be in traditional resales or it could be in the default space where properties have already been foreclosed upon and we're hired to run title and we're hired to cure those title issues. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and then we're hired to then do the resale transaction to a new buyer, which could be an investor um, uh, or it could be another company that could be buying this property to then go and rent out. Um, so those are the kinds of clients that we service. Um, you know, and then you asked me, you know, title. So what, what is title? What is, what is it all about? Remember, you know, what we do as a title company is we're responsible for two main things. We're responsible for searching, right, to, to make sure that whoever has come to us on someone's behalf, a consumer's behalf, to confirm that that person owns the property, right, that they were vested in title. Someone transferred that property legally and properly to that person or persons. Um, then our other job is to confirm that the, the transaction takes place properly wherein there's a there's a either refinance transactions going on there's a new equity loan there's a resale being done so that means is we act as an escrow company for taking money in from certain parties and then dispersing it out to other parties so there could be real estate agents involved there could be lenders involved there could be lien holders or judgment holders that need to get paid a number of different parties so we sort of act in that capacity and in the middle of all that we actually issue an insurance product, an insurance policy, either to a lender or a, an eventual a buyer of either commercial buyer or residential buyer. Uh, we issue them a title insurance policy, which protects their interest and their ownership in the property. And also depending upon what kind of policy they get, it could cover them for risks, not just from before, but could cover them for risks later on as well. Um, so that's generally what title is all about. Um, you know, the transaction itself, for those of you that have bought a house before, you could have signed a contract for a piece of property. Uh, you could have closed uh, that transaction in 10 days, or you could have closed that transaction in four months. Uh, depends upon a lot of different factors. Um, so in that time period, we're doing a lot of different things um, from getting payoff statements and reviewing the land records and title. Um, and then all the way till we get to that day where everyone's signing documents. 
uh, and close. So give you, I hope that was a good enough of an overview for you. Very good. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, and then uh, now let's, let's kind of, you know, go back sure. to the discussion we are having. Um, maybe I should present the scenarios that sure. I presented to you, uh, which have been bugging me for about 15 years. <laughs> and I've been kind of sitting on it in the back burner. And I'll put, let me put it in, in, in plain, simple words. As someone myself who knows real estate very well, I would say the inside of real estate, of the mechanisms, for many, many, many years, I, have, I am very surprised to see that relatively the situation of relatively rarely happens where someone steals the property for me and resells it to someone else. And when I say steal, someone is fraudulently, right? Maybe uh, by using a fake ID or by using uh, um, a fake operating agreement, if it's an LLC or whatever multiple mechanism needs to take place, presenting themselves as me, going, listing the property, or maybe even doing without listing and selling the property, a property to an unsuspected buyer that everything seems to be kosher and okay, you know, doing it very professionally to make it look all, you know, all well. So there's no red flags, nothing stinks, nothing smells like, okay, maybe something is off here because they know the ins and outs of, of that as well. And in a way I can wake up one day because let's, let's face it. I don't check title uh, online or for my title property on a weekly, monthly, you know, six months, whatever sure. basis. I may do it once a year if I just want to confirm something. And even that is not, you know, I would say very, you know, like it's not frequent. And, and especially when we're talking about investment properties remotely, you know, obviously I don't live in the property. I'm talking about situation that someone is not visually next to the property. Uh, it can still be in my town, just I don't see it on a daily basis. Um, can kind of manipulate the system and steal my property and sell it. And the buyer is unsuspecting. So when we talked about it first, I told you, am I going crazy here? First of all, how come, you know, how come it's so easy? Second, how come it's not happening like crazy, like, like much more? And third, yeah. what, that was my main question that we were kind of getting uh, uh, to talk about. Like, how can I protect myself or what are my remedies? It should something like this happen. Sure. So, all right. Couple things. Obviously, it's big, big question. There's a lot going on there. Thank so you. I'm trying. You, yeah. So, so, so first off, for for someone to have their property um, quote stolen and it get resold to somebody else, um, it's not just being done. There's not just one person involved in this. You have to remember that. There's going to be. You need to remember what we talked about. Remember what we do as a title company, right? There needs to be. Um, some, a criminal in the middle that is basically doing that property transfer. And we'll talk about that. And then for that property to be resold again, there needs to be a title company in that transaction in the middle that's, that's doing that closing. So either the title company is not doing their due diligence and their research of selling the property, or, you know, hopefully they're not in cahoots, right? With the seller who's trying to sell that to an unsuspecting buyer. Um, there's, that's funny. There's even advertisements that people probably hear on the radio today, you know, buying a certain product, um, to prevent their home from being stolen today because there's so much of it going on. Um, and you think about the process of what would happen. There's, there's a couple different scenarios. Remember that records, records are public. 
and a lot of, right, they're public records. So I can go, I can even go online or I can go to a courthouse. Most of the time now it's online in a majority of the counties around the country. I can go online and I can see who owns a piece of property um, very easily. And anyone, if you understand how deeds are done, there's a couple, there's, main, there's three different kinds of deeds generally that are done today. You've heard of a, a general warranty deed, a special warranty deed, and a quit claim deed. Normally when you're doing a sale transaction, a resale transaction to a third party, and people should know this, they should always be asking for, they should be looking at their contract to sale and they should be making sure they're getting a warranty deed if it's a traditional resale property. If it is a, uh, if it's an REO property or default property, they're gonna get something called a special warranty deed. And the difference there, people don't, a lot of people don't understand that the difference there is they're giving a special warranty deed because that owner doesn't have personal knowledge of that property. They owned it by virtue, in a lot of cases, of a borrower defaulting and then the property being foreclosed upon, so they don't have personal knowledge of that property. However, they're warranting their valid title to it, but they're not warranting anything special to the property, um, anything, that, anything that could have taken place within that property. Um, they're not warranting that at all. And then there's a quit claim deed. I see you have a question for me. Yes. Can you, you know, if this is a very, very, uh, I'm glad we're diving into it, but can you give a, like a more tangible example of something that would be covered under the warranty deed and would not be covered uh, under the special limit, uh, so special or limited? Special warranty deed. Perfect example. Perfect example. When you go um, and you sell a house and you know of a defect in your property, that you didn't disclose. If you know that your property, for example, if part of your house was in a sinkhole six months ago, right? And then they went and they fixed it and they took care of it and they filled it. In most states, you're gonna need to disclose that. In states where, for example, someone was murdered, you need to disclose that. Was a property used as a drug den? Things like that, you need to disclose to a new homeowner. So in a warranty deed where something like that to happen, you would have to then disclose that. And if you didn't disclose that, and it was later found out that you can then go and sue the seller directly for damages because they didn't disclose that. You'd have to, of course, calculate those damages. And that's, those are items that a, an owner, an institutional owner of your property would know, right? And they wouldn't be entitled, they wouldn't have the obligation to get that information. So there are some examples, right? They're rare examples, but that's a different type of deed. Right. Then there's a quit claim deed. A quit claim deed is you're basically saying, I don't warrant anything related to this property at all. You get whatever we give you and whatever title says, title says. So they're leaving the issue of the ownership of the property, not to the seller, but to they're leaving it to the title insurance company actually who is going to give an owner an owner's title insurance policy on that property if they do some title companies won't give an owner's title insurance property policy when there's a quit claim deed going on most of the time there's a quit claim deed you're just simply transferring the property to a third party you're giving to them for zero consideration or there could be consideration and there's a transfer and there's a recording done and then that's what sort of starts us with the title theft so with that, um, you know, because these records are local, it's very easy for someone to simply, and this sounds crazy, for someone to simply prepare a deed, transferring the property from John Smith to you. 
you simply look at the signature of what the owners look like of their signature, you forge their signature, you get a notary that's with you, that is in cahoots with you to go and acknowledge that document. You then get that recorded. Right now, you get that recorded, or even before you get it recorded, the second you have that deed and it's acknowledged, you technically own that property. You own it legally, but you own that property. So then if you think the next steps to that, and there's a bunch of other more complex ways to do it, like you talked about limited liability companies and, and show, you know, someone can come in and you see that an LLC owns the property and then someone comes in and they sent and they give you an operating agreement. They show you an operating agreement, but then they show you an amended operating agreement, which may not be recorded. And the amended operating agreement is going to say, John Smith, Mary Jones uh, are no longer the managers. It's now Jimmy Smith. So Jimmy Smith has the authorization to sign. So you're going to get that document and you're going to assume that Jimmy Smith has valid authority to sign. And you're going to look at an operating agreement and you're going to look at how the company was set up. And as a title company, you need to review that to make sure you've done all your due diligence to believe that that new responsible person or that person who's now the authorized signer for the LLC is able to sell it or is it right? So that's another opportunity for theft. But to take it even further, you know, which is even, which, which is really um, not just owning the property, but it's actually cashing in on that property in some way where someone may go and uh, get in, I'll say cahoots, that's the right name. They'll get into cahoots with a, a lender, right? And they'll go to a mortgage company and they'll go to a lender and say, hey, I, I, I got this property transferred to me. I bought it from the Smiths. Um, you can pull a title and you can see I got it from the Smiths and uh, I was a friend of the Smiths and they gave me this property. Um, and you know, they didn't want any more, wherever the story may be where they had that property, they didn't pay for it. Uh, and then they now want to borrow money on it. They want to borrow hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand $300,000 on it. They see it's an $800,000 property. So normally someone's going to ask the question, well, what do you mean you didn't pay for it? You know, things like that. But if you look at the title chain, you're going to see they own the property. They get a lender to lend them money on the property, they go to closing, they then get dispersed a couple hundred thousand dollar loan and you hear stories about that person, uh, whether they're using a fake identity or real identity, whatever that may be, they go ahead, they go to closing, they get that cash out, they don't make the mortgage payments of course, and then the actual homeowner, because the letters will go back to that property address, will go back to that homeowner and say, hey, you haven't made your first three months of mortgage payments. We're gonna foreclose on you. And then the, and then the, the homeowner, the real homeowners saying, holy smokes, what just happened? And they call the lender and they'll say, well, you just borrowed $300,000 from me a couple months ago. And they're like, what are you talking about? Send me the documents. Like, well, that wasn't me. Um, so there's, there, there's things, there's things like that because remember, you know, even to get a loan, you know, there's no, um, you know, whatever social you're using, if there's no, there's no, you know, there, there's no relation back they're the new owner of the property they're able to go and get a new social that can get validated um, or they're just a person who just using their real name or even using, you know, we've even seen situations where someone comes in and their name is John Jones, the second, and you see someone named John Jones coming in or John Jones, the third coming in and he, and they'll bring an ID and you'll say, well, this isn't you, this is you, or this is you, are you the first, are you the second, you the third. And someone could have passed away and you didn't know that. That's just another situation where there could be property theft or basically mortgage theft 
right? Where people are borrowing money on someone's behalf that when it's not their property. And, and, and I, I wanna kind of emphasize a couple of things or maybe kind of share exactly to, to what you just mentioned. Sure. First of all, I have had in the past a lender or mortgage broker by the name of John Jones. So, <laughs> of course not. But there was a real person, I actually met him in person. He worked for Countrywide at the time. You probably remember Countrywide. Yes, I do. Notorious uh, Countrywide. That's one. So funny that you say, but you know, it actually happened to me. Uh, second thing, uh, I have been involved in a transaction as a buyer where it, there was a cahoot between the appraisal, the bank, yeah. and the developer seller. So I know personally, as an, as an investor, by the way, the two people from the developer, the two that I know, two or three people from that developer, developer big company in Florida, actually ended up sitting in, you know, sitting in federal prison for five and seven years. I don't know about the third person, but two of them actually, you know, did time in federal prison. So this is actual, you know, story that I have not been involved in, obviously on the, of course, on the anything related to it. I was just a, you know, a consumer buyer who bought into that, uh, you know, our, um, our project. Uh, so just, kinda, you know, to say that yeah. if it sounds far-fetched or doesn't exist, it does. Uh, unfortunately, I, I've seen it, you know. No doubt. And the appraisers, person. yeah, and they, they've actually created technology now. You, you hear about the use of AVMs now, automated valuation models, mm -hmm. to help validate. And there's even so much more data to validate the appraisals because what was happening is you'd seen a lot of areas where the prices went up before the financial crisis. Uh, they went up so high, you'd see row houses, for example, that were probably worth fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and you started seeing valuations coming from appraisers at two hundred and fifty, two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, where there was just no validity. And what happened is you realize the appraiser did all the appraisals on all those properties, um, and they were just using comps after comps of other properties, and there was just no, there was no validation for that entire, you know, development. You hear about the same loan officer closing all the units of one development because they were the one in charge of all the right. loan officer and then one appraiser they're in charge of validating and they were all in it together right okay uh, unbelievable. unbelievable yeah so as a consumer is there anything i can do or what can i do to prevent something yep. like this uh, from happening i think that's the best solution if possible and then you know if it did happen to me what are my my remedies? You know, if uh, that, that I could I could you know get my property back. Sure, so hundred percent. So sort of couple things. Um, so the person that got your right, the person that got their property stolen. Um, uh, it is a it's a it's a, it's a major it's a major problem, right? They're first they have to first deal with a lender to disprove that they borrowed the money, in case there's a lender, and then they have to do they have to file what's called a quiet title action. To basically, it's a complaint to quiet title to basically confirm that they are the owners of the property, right? Um, and then they're to, you know, eventually that person's gonna be brought to justice when there's fraud involved. In a lot of cases where the fraud is found out, um, there's then um, corrective and confirmatory deeds done. So you don't have to file, um, you don't have to go through the process of quieting title. But what a what a sort of what a homeowner can do to maybe prevent it so they're not even dealing with that hassle from the beginning. Um, because they don't know what's going to happen with their property after they buy it. They can just know what happens before, right? And then go to their title company and make sure they're not buying a property that came from someone who got it via quitclaim deed, just like I talked about. So that's the first thing they should do. 
right? And they're buying a new property, make sure that they're not going to be one that's that potentially get their property taken, right? In a new property, right? Maybe I should say, you know, it's obvious. I know it's obvious to you. I know it's obvious to me. And I, I apologize for interrupting, but I think it's a, it's a small, important point. I always tell my clients and nobody is actually questioning, always, 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 always buy with a title company. Yes. Always. I mean, yes. this is not like, eh, no. Right. Always. It's relatively cheap for the risk you're taking. And the reason is exactly a title company should pick up on those questionable let's just put it at this point questionable uh, you know uh, um, um, issues or, or red flags on the title and may prevent this from happening from because you don't want to be in a, as a buyer for that property because that may reflect on you as well 100 percent, it's coming right back to you so yeah and there's different types of title policies you can get um there's what's called an enhanced policy unlike your traditional policy that actually protects you for items that happen after you buy it and it'll even, um, it'll even cover you for the property, the increased value in the property as well over time. Um, not just because remember when you buy it, you buy a policy based on a certain purchase price. But if you buy a property and then it increases in value, um, you're only covered for your, what your owner's policy is to get that money back. Should you not be able to get the house back or something, at least you're covered for that money. Um, and you're covered for, um, an increased amount of money based market on value, that. not purchase price. Correct. Thank you. Market value versus purchase price. So, um, so that's what you could do before you buy property. Um, and then after you buy property, it's that having to sort of reverse things, right? Whether you're able to go back to your title insurance company to say, Hey, this happened to me, not before I bought it, but after I bought it, does my policy cover this? Right. Can you, can you now help me? And can you defend me? Or do I have to go do this on my own? Um, and then go go get that quit go file that complaint to quiet title to get the ownership of your property back. Um, that that won't be as difficult as the credit cleanup problem. They'll be associated with yeah. that negative all different conversation with all the different conversation with the, obviously all the negative connotations right. of your credit um, that you're going to have to address because you know your in this case your property got stolen not your identity got stolen but your property got stolen and they borrowed money in your name or in their name but on your property so it's going to affect you and and it may show as a foreclosure on your property even though it's not your mortgage um so um yeah. so so those are the so those are the issues um on theft but, you know but it starts very early in the process there's a lot of things they need to think about when buying a house um even just even but tell me do you have any questions for me? Yeah, yeah. I just want to, I want, I want to point out a couple of things. So first of sure. all, uh, before I, I spoke to you about it, I actually spoke to at least two, if not three attorneys and two other title people about this theft prevention kind of, a, or how to deal with it. You know, it seems like I'm obsessed with it as if it's an issue, but it's not an issue in my life, but you know, it's been bugging me. Let's just say, sure. maybe I'm knowledgeable. So it, it, it's funny that you kind of talk about the credit because one attorney kept saying you should protect your credit, you know, your, uh, uh, your social security and do a lock on your, on your social security so you have prevention from property, uh, uh, from, from identity theft. And I kept telling her, listen, stealing a property, the title, not, has nothing to do with nothing it. Nothing to do with it. You can it's do multiple lot. locks. And yeah. she wouldn't, you know, she yeah. was just attorney, real estate attorney. Yeah. No, no, no. It's got two, it's two, diff it's two different issues. Yeah. And yeah. Another attorney said, you know what? Talk to the title company, they would tell you what to do. Before I met you, obviously that's a good answer. 
I did speak to another title guy, and the other title guy, what did he say? You need to talk to the attorney, right? It was crazy. Nobody would, it was, you know, for me, it wasn't a simple question, but it was a very, uh, you know, uh, irrelevant question. And only- no, yeah, because remember, you're going to get personally, you own the property. Remember, even that there's, there's people on the mortgage, right? There, there's, there's, the, there's the note holders, but there's also going to be notification to the, uh, you know, the, the property owners of record too. Um, so you could have issues there. There could be lawsuits filed against you as, as when they realize there was um, a former property owner of that person doesn't pay, notices will go there. Whether a lawsuit's filed, I don't know. But um, again, you know, I, I think it's really going to come down to the, the quiet title action is going to be the biggest issue um, that you're going to have to resolve. But again, it's not going to be, it's not going to be something that's going to be difficult to prove when you see the documents and what took place. So what you're saying is if, if as an owner, that happened to me, the quiet title is exactly. a mechanism. It's a bit, probably a, much more comprehensive than just a few words. Uh, a yep. title is my most desirable shooting of action yep. to start correcting the situation. Yeah, that's your quickest route. Is there any way you think I can add, make it a little bit difficult or do something that will make it more challenging for this to happen in the first place? Like putting a cage on my AC kind of a concept, you know, obviously someone can still take my AC and break my cage, but when a thief sees a cage, he says, ah, the next guy is easier. So. Yeah, you know what, that's a good question. I, I, I think that anyone that has property that has no debt on it is gonna be open to open a fraud versus someone who is mortgaged. So, you know, right, it's going to be easy if you got someone who owns a property free and clear, there's going to be a lot more opportunity for that fraudster to take advantage. And you also have people that are older that aren't really maybe paying attention. Maybe you've got own, people that are owner people that aren't owner occupants of property that also can happen. Whereas I can have a bunch of rental properties on free and clear and you can have notices going to a rental property that could be stolen and you're not really paying attention to what's going on. Um, I mean, the notices are going to be stolen. The notices are going, yeah, notices could be going to that somewhere. property and you're not even there. You're not even at that property. So, you know, there, there's really not other than the, pol you know, other than that sort of enhanced type of policy you can get. Um, and of course, you always want to keep your credit locked and, and use one of those services to give you notifications on your credit. Obviously, because there are these ways that you've talked about earlier, which I can go all the way back. I talked about basically getting fraudulent identification and all these things that can show it's you. And obviously you can walk in the door, you can get an ID and you could prove, you could show that you're someone else and you could borrow money and say that you're that person, hundred um, percent. And that has gone, you know, that continues to go on and will go on until IDs are more universal. You see, they're now coming out with a, a more universal ID around the country with, um, more validation. Um, there's a lot of that going on. And then also there's things where LLCs, when people are buying the names of LLCs, there's a bunch of states now that have requirements in certain areas where you need to know who the operators of the LLCs were. You need to know the owners are and the membership holders the LLC are. In other states, it's not required to be a buyer. To be a buyer, you just need something that shows who the authorized buyer is. But you really don't need to know, when, when there's a seller, you need to know a little bit more about who the LLC members are because when you're selling a property, that means the proceeds are going to be going to the LLC. 
or maybe they could be being assigned from the LLC to individual parties. That's also another red flag that you want to talk about, right? That you see a lot of things like that. It can happen with an estate. It's very common where you have an estate seller and the estate where someone passed away and you have three kids and there's an estate of John Jones and then there's Mary and Jenny and, um, and Jimmy. And they said, oh, can you just cut the checks to you know, us three, for example? Um, and we may get an instruction like that. Or, and if we realize, if we see there were maybe, maybe we could do that, but maybe in some cases we can't do that. Maybe there could be um, other beneficiaries out there. We need everyone to sign off. All the beneficiaries have been noticed to sign off. Otherwise we have to pay the estate because we were concerned about someone coming back to us later saying, hey, they weren't supposed to get the proceeds. So there's all these things. Okay. And then what happens is that one of those beneficiaries could actually come back to the new homeowner to say, hey, I still own that, I have an interest in that property. You didn't, you didn't pay me, I should have gotten notice. So actually I, you didn't get valid title to the property so they can go sue that new home buyer. So there's all these little things that can come up in the middle where as the title and escrow company, we have to really pay attention to all the documentation in the middle. LLCs, estates, buyers, identification, where the source of money is coming from. It's also another thing too. So I want, I want to clarify a few things that I think this is, this is uh, um, um, very important. First of all, just by me owning individually under my name or under an entity, LLC most common, is not, one way or another, is not going to make my property less or more attractive for theft. The LLC idea is not going to protect me from theft. It's not going to make the property safer, right? No, no, it's not going to, it's not going to, well, it's, it's the L, the purpose of the LLC is sort of a couple things, right? There's, there's tax purposes, there's liability, right. shield, shield you from liability, especially if you have renters, someone slips and falls and cracks their head, you don't have enough coverage and things like that. Um, that's a purpose of the LLC, but it's not going to help you in terms of the theft issues okay. and they make it a little bit more complicated to, to do it because you could, because the, uh, to, do a, 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 to do a deed out of an LLC, you'd have to then know who the proper member is, or you'd have to come up with documentation showing that I'm the authorized party to sell on behalf of the LLC. And then someone that was doing the title research would have to say, well, let, can I get the original operating agreement? You know, and if it says that the member or the member partner is, is someone else, you're going to say, I need documentation showing that this person is no longer uh, a managing member of the LLC. So that's, so with respect to your question, the LLC would make it more difficult actually. Okay. Um, because they'd have to add that additional layer of protection okay. um, to validate that sale. So that, that's, that's an important point. I think that that's a very important point because in, in me trying to perfect how to prevent it, we may find a kind of through discussion that LLC is not perfect, but may make it a little bit more, uh, more multiple steps involved to, to correct to perpetuate the fraud. Right. Okay. Now, two other things that I want to kind of, uh, kind of clarify sure. is it's, if one of the things you said about notifications that are getting lost, and I think this is a very simple step that a lot of people neglect to do. And we have 
We always tell our, in our investors once they close, we remind them to, to do that. It's a simple, simple, simple thing called make sure your ad mailing address is correct with the, with the county, which so many people neglect to do it, and I don't know why, and it leads yeah. to multiple issues. Um, but here's, here's the thing I've learned, and this is kind of why it's kind of one of the things that kind of spike all this conversation for me. On one end, yes, I know for you it's obvious, for me it's obvious, a lot of people neglect to do that, too bad. But I also found that when I needed to update the address of my rental property or properties, that the, the simplicity of doing so was scare, it was crazily scary, meaning no identification, hi, hello by email, Mr. County Recorder, whatever, can you update? Yes, done. That's it. No, not a notary, nothing. So that means on one end, if you don't have, if it's from, from the beginning, it's the property address that's not your mailing address, you can bet on it that the, the, the mailing is not going to go through. The tenant is going to throw it away. You, you just do that. They know that. But the second thing is, even if I've done it correctly, I am just shocked how easy it was to change the address with the county. So Me. right there, is there anything I can do to not make it so easy or, you know, cause, cause then you, Steve, you can go and say, search my name and just send to the, you know, yep. the county with my email, say, Hey, I moved to, I don't know, to Connecticut can send my email there. And then all the notifications yeah. are going it, to you. It's interesting. You know what? It's interesting. I don't, you know, I don't, every, every jurisdiction is going to have different controls for that. And I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes to oh. validate or to follow up on those changes, but there's no way to lock down your address with a county unless there's actually required forms or notarization right. required or, you know, anything like that. But I think it's just too paper intensive or too administrative, uh, administrative, too much administrative hassle. Gotcha. For a county to validate it. So they're just going to say, okay, you're changing your address. All right, I'll send it there. I would say state mandated. Only change address through a title company. <laughs> and yeah. then you have to do it. You charge a fee, but you have to do it properly. And it's safe. Right. It's interesting. You know, the, the good news is, is the statements always are going to go to, well, if you have a mortgage company, right? They're always going to go to your mortgage company, like the tax bills, for example. Right? They're going to get, the, get information because they've requested it. Um, but again, there's so many ways you've just, you're, you're identifying all these gaps in the system. Um, and it's scary because again, it starts, it goes all the way back to all this information is public. It's shocking, but it's public and it's ripe for, you know, ripe for taking advantage of. Okay. And another, another idea that I want to run by you as to, again, make it difficult. You mentioned free and clear house, no mortgage, more, more sustainable, more, target um and then if if i own a free and clear house no mortgage no lien is it a good idea to create a lack of a better term and excuse my uh, my, my 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 uh um uh, uh the words that i'm using i hope i'm using them correctly um is it a, a an idea a good idea to create a fake lien you know, or, or fake mortgage and recorded with the county. Although they're like, I'm lending to myself, but I'm creating another, let's say at least it shows there's a lien and it's less attractive and maybe. People, yeah, uh, let me, yeah, people will basically lend themselves money or money they use to buy the property. They'll make it a lien on the, you know, they'll make it a lien on the there's property. There's no problem leaning 
own my own property. Well, if you're, if you're, well, if you own an LLC, the individual can put a lien on the property, right? The individual can lend money to the LLC right. and put a mortgage the on the property for that amount. Right. The only thing it, de on the, it depends on the county. Some counties actually have a recordation tax. So it's going to cost you money of course. in some jurisdictions to do that. But in a lot of cases, um, there's, you know, there's reasons to do that, to have, to have, a, lien, to have a lien on the property. And again, in, in, more, in, in my experience, it will always cost you money to record the lien and the cost is going to be related to the amount itself. But hey, look at what we're protecting here. Maybe there is, there is, you know, again, it's all about making it less attractive. So that cost all of a sudden makes it uh, attractive, cheap. Yeah, no doubt. We're at least a tranche of that property. They're going to be questioning that lien that's on title. So an unsuspecting title company at least is going to see some lien on title that's got to get resolved. Okay. Again, unless there's a title company in there that is just, you know, acting yeah, fraudulently and, you know, it's going to, but all these things like that, you know, yes, that those things can definitely, definitely help you. Okay. Um, no doubt. Now, let's say, unfortunately, that happened and someone purchased my house. Let's go with the, with the example of purchased my house uh, or even did a refinance with a title company. And I found about it a month, two months later. Can I go to that Qatar company who either did the loan, the new loan encoding or sold the property to another buyer and say, Hey, you want the title company on record? Yep. You messed up. Give me my yep. money back. Although yes, it's not my title company that I purchased, this right. is a company, company that sold. You're actually not going to sue the title company. You're actually, because you didn't have a relationship, you're going to sue, unless you can prove there was fraud on the title company specifically, you would be suing the homeowner right. saying you, you got, you bought my property fraudulently and I'm seeking specific performance of that. Meaning, meaning I'm see, seeking my property back yeah. because you obtained it by fraud. Okay. And then what the title, what the homeowner would do is they would then go to the title All company. Right. Okay. Gotcha. They would then say, you know, what the heck? And then they would, then they would activate their title insurance policy. So then they would get their, right. They would then get their money right. back. They paid and then you would then okay. get your home back. That's sort of the idea around that, right. that title company in the middle and the home and title insurance, you get your property back. And that is the, that is the, um, sort of the old original scenario is property procured through fraud and you get it back and then they get their money back that they paid. Okay. That's why you buy title insurance. Okay. And that's in a good situation when title company was involved over, obviously I would be suing an owner who let's say did it without a title company and title yeah. insurance and, and that they don't have that coverage, but I can still go after them and sue them for fraudulent transaction or something. Along Correct. That. You'd sue them and you'd file a quiet title action. And then you'd also sue them for conveyance of the property and, uh, and damages and costs, et cetera. That's what you'd be doing for that eventually, even though they were unsuspecting. Right. Because they own your property and you have to get it back. So they're then having to go and defend it. And then they're going to bring in someone else saying, Hey, we didn't know. But that's the only way for you to get your property back is to sue the people that now own it. And can you see a situation where, listen, the, the buyer did, you know, everything, like I said earlier, yep. no red flags. They didn't know. Everything seems legit. Sure. You know, 
they maybe have not even aware there's such thing as a title uh, you know maybe they're very simple people and you know like eh, okay they don't even know there's title to to use right maybe i'm just going um and the judge goes and says uh listen uh tough for you because they're gonna lose too in a way someone else took the money and and the judge goes no no mr sell or not seller prop original property owner tough for you no you own the property you're getting it back um you're you're getting it back and if you're not getting it back uh and let's say it goes through multiple owners you're gonna get you're gonna get compensated for the market value of that property I see. Uh, but most cases you're going to, you're going to go and they're going to, they're going to turn it all the way back because you, you own it, it's your property. Cause in some cases it could have been flipped already twice. Right. And there could have been one, one good faith purchaser and then another good faith purchaser, right. but it shouldn't have got that far. Gotcha. You shouldn't have a scenario where you're two purchasers down. Okay. You should be a scenario where maybe there was a fraudster in the middle who resold it to someone else and then you have to sue them and then you're getting the property. I mean, you're getting the property back and they execute their title insurance policy and you own the house and you, it's your house and you, you, you know, you get it back. So to wrap up this section, I want to kind of, uh, wanna, I want to, uh, there's two things I want to kind of to hear from you, if you can uh, suggest sure. one is there other things, mechanism, things I can do to make it difficult to, to prevention. And, and two is, you know, this is this conversation for many real estate you know related people investors buyers that if they listen to this conversation some of them may say you know what this is scary like hell i'm running away i'm not gonna touch it so maybe just put it for a second in perspective or maybe you know make make a, a little bit of a positive tone because listen this can be a very discouraging conversation to have i'm a little bit kind of obsessed with the idea you're knowledgeable about it we know that in real life, that's not day in, day out what's going on. And if it would have happened, regulator would have stepped in. You know, obviously, I think they should already step in, but, you know, I guess it needs to happen. So what can I do to prevent? Is there any, any additional thing I can do to, to create that prevention mechanism? And uh, is there anything positive we can actually sure. uh, finish so, that part right. of the so, conversation? So out of all this... As the property that you already own, we've discussed it. We've discussed all these mechanisms and you've come up with a lot of great solutions, um, a lot of great ideas on that. Um, on property that you haven't bought yet, I would suggest as I, you know, earlier, as I said, is purchase that higher level of owner's title insurance, not a regular level, the higher level of owner's title insurance that protects you for future acts. Okay. That is a game changer for all the things we just talked about. It addresses every one of these items. So as an owner, the enhanced insurance coverage? Enhanced coverage. Protects me to the future on, on, on even on a situation like this? On, on, on fraudulent items. There's certain items, and I'll, I'll do a little follow-up with you on this, um, okay. on all the list of items that it covers. Um, but it covers items in the future. Okay. Um, and okay. this is, um, and obviously I can give anyone more detail on it okay. uh, as a follow-up, but it's definitely something to do going forward. And then also, you know, on something going forward, ask the title partner you're working with, Hey, did I, is this property owned by quit claim deed or is it owned by a general warranty deed? Okay. Who are the owners? And then who are the prior owners? That is the easiest way right. to just to see out of the gate, who you're, who you're buying the property from. If it's an LLC, hey, that may raise a red flag for you. Okay. 
hey, well then, did you confirm, you know, these, the, the, the LLC was transferred the property uh, in a valid way? So there's ways and there's questions I think this people is, could ask. I think this is, I think for me, just this last minute is so beneficial because um, even if I thought about those things, you kind of put them together very, uh, uh, very clearly. The enhance is something I learned. I didn't know that that's available. I love the I love that fact. The, uh, the to ask those questions, just as a, as as a secondary mechanism to you know make sure. I think it's great. Uh, those are and of course use title for me. Those sure. those things are rather simple, and even if they're not going to protect me, it, you know, not 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 guarantee for protection. It definitely increases the chances of or decreases the chances of, of some fraudulent thing happening in my transaction. Yep, yeah. no doubt. Okay. No doubt. Perfect. Perfect. So I think this is an excellent way to kind of move into the second section, what we want to talk. And you actually started talking about it. So what things in title, uh, I just learned of a new thing, the enhanced coverage. Is there, are there anything, are there, are there other things I should know or we should know that are not commonly known or commonly missed, you know, I know too, enhance and ask those questions. That's already very important and worth the entire conversation. Is there anything else you can um, suggest? And it has nothing to do, I'm not asking, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the theft or the first part of our conversation. Sure. Um, so, okay. So, so, thing, so things that people aren't really gonna talk about that are generally buying property. Um, is, you know, some, some are, some aren't, right? Some people actually don't know about the simple concept of, of a survey, of a boundary drawing on the property. Some, some people's real estate agent may not talk to them about a survey, right? A survey is something that basically draws the boundaries of your property. There's a boundary type of survey. And then there's a survey that's actually going to lay out uh, all different types of potential restrictions on your property. Uh, things such as easements, and you've heard of easements before, or rights of ways are things on your property. And they even identify fence issues, like I talked about boundaries. So there could be issues that people don't really think about. You know, it, it depends, you know, in a lot of areas, it, it's sort of common, um, where if you're out and, um, let's say you're out in a more rural area, right? Um, it could be very common that there could be any, there could be barns and sheds that are crossing property lines that people don't think about. There could be completely new built housing structures because there's, there's, no, uh, there's no zoning, there's no approvals process and more rural areas. So it could be common you have things like that. There's also things such as uh, easements and, uh, and rights away to properties that people haven't really thought about. So you know, it's very common that you're going to have power companies, for example, they're going to have um, easements on your property where you know there's going to be underground lines. Um, they're going to be under your property. However, what people don't sometimes pay attention to is there could be a right away or there could be some interest of a power company to actually come on your property and actually, you know, place even equipment there or things like that. There was a scenario actually that happened in our local area. Um, uh, a couple years ago, we're in the DC based area where there was a townhome development. And there's a townhome development that backed to 
power lines where we live, the back to power line area, and the development and the power lines were all separated by trees. So all the trees were set up over a long period of time. They're all grow out for a long time. Out of the blue, the power company comes in and starts clearing the trees. And of course, the incomplete homeowner association with all the homes backed up there said, what is going on? And the power company said, yeah, if you realize we have a right of way here and we actually have the ability to take these trees down because we're replacing equipment on some parts of that property where the trees were lying and they had the perception that they owned that property where the, where the tree line was and they didn't. So there's all these little nuances like that that you need to pay attention to. Um, there's a lot, there's obviously, there's the fences, there's a neighbor, there's, and it's even common in some areas where you'll have in cities where this comes up in survey issues. Well, you'll see that some, a builder could have accidentally built a half inch over the property line and no one, they built it and no one paid attention to it. And the builder put, you know, they spent a million dollars putting, you know, walls up on a four story multifamily building. And when he realized he went a half inch over the line and sellers like then the other homeowner saying, got to take it down. <laughs> so they got into a battle. So, there's, there's so there, there's, there's so the, the boundary and the survey is something that people have heard about, but I don't think they really pay attention to it. Um, and so the, 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 the down and dirty is a property you're buying, pay attention to your boundaries. Number one, pay attention. Is there anything near you or that's on, could be on your property line that's concerning you, right? So make sure you get a survey, right? And then there could be other reasons the survey, just like I talked about, with that issue with power and rights of ways and the ability to take trees down and things like that could affect you. I've seen things such as a railroad line ability to come through. Not that they're going to build a railroad in an area, but people should know that there is, there are some things on the title to their property that could affect them adversely at some time in the future. And they just want to know about it. They want to address it. They want to see, is it something that they could get terminated um, or get identified or get some type of validation or invalidation. Um, so that's, that's one thing, surveys are important. Um, so, so what um, you're saying is, as a buyer, request the seller to provide the survey. Yes. Okay. And then ask that, if you get them to provide their survey, you then have them sign an affidavit at closing that says there's been no changes to the survey since you purchased that survey or since you've owned the property, there's been no changes. And you wanna get them to do an affidavit and that's of course gonna go along with your settlement transaction that you can then go back on your special warranty deed to go rely upon that document should something occur. Um, and then that survey, of course, you're gonna get examined and you're gonna have some look at and identify what those issues are so you can then question them to the seller or to the agent um, about that property that you're concerned about. Who, who examines the survey? So as the title company, we identify all the survey items and we actually put them on the title commitment. So we review those survey items. So we identify to, to, the, home, to the home buyer if there are items that they should be concerned about, they should ask about. Because otherwise, we actually, if there's no survey 
purchased, we actually do what's called a survey exception, which means we don't insure matters of survey because they didn't purchase a survey. Okay. So, so as a buyer, you know, as someone who's seen many surveys, as you know, not all surveys are clear and easy to understand. What you're saying is there is an, as part of the, 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 the product you, you provide, because you insure the survey, you actually examine it and you will present me, you know, this, the buyer uh, with problems uh, that you Correct. want, basically you want cover that are on the survey. And that will tell me, hey, there's a problem, you know, yep. or there's not a, an electrical pole here or, but the, the electrical company has the easement or whatever to put one in the future, should they want to. Yep. Sure, that, that's exactly right. And that's part of the title search that we do when we search that property after we get the contract is those items on the survey are recorded in the land records. So we find them and identify them. Those are the same things that identify that there's a homeowners association or that you're in a plan unit development and that you're subject to special covenants. I mean, that's even a, that's a funny thing today. People don't realize that they, they're okay, great, I'm gonna have an HOA fee, but they may not know unless they really review the HOA package that they have to keep their grass cut and it can't go above a half inch and they can't paint their house, you know, blue and things like that. People don't think about that um, and they're not gonna read the homeowner's disclosure package because it's 300 pages. Um, but those are funny things too that become surprises later on. Okay, I, I wanna kind of, kind of, share a little story about the survey because I think that, sure. that actually uh, um, uh, paint a picture. I had a situation of a survey with the, with the next door neighbor, um, start building their house very close to my house. And actually there was a sidewalk between my house and their lot. And the sidewalk has been there for as much as we can tell from, we did, you know, uh, um, forensic, you know, Google uh, satellite, and we could probably trace it back. You know, we could go up back as as far back as twenty years, which is which it wasn't part of my my property per se, but the, the sidewalk was leading to the backside of my property, and on the, according to the survey, it was on the neighbor's lot, and the neighbor was pissed when they started to build three houses, three lots, three houses, and it went to a legal you know, uh, challenge or not challenge, a lawyer's talking. Uh, and what I've learned from, from that situation is, um, first of all, the fact that it was there 10 years or more, the sidewalk, it was grandfathered in as mine. So I did have a claim. It was not on my law to begin with, but if I would go to court, eventually I could say, listen, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's been mine and in use for 20 years. So you should have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, attentive to it before. That was kind of my, 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 my leverage, uh, which we didn't do, but that was the leverage. The other thing that was my most interesting to learn is when I called one attorney, he says, there's nothing you can do about it with the survey. And then I called another attorney because I like second opinions. And the second attorney, the first or second sentence says, what do you mean there's nothing you can do about it? Adverse the possession. survey is open to interpretation. Okay. Yep. And there's also adverse possession too. Adver we had adverse possession with that sidewalk. That yeah. was it. Yeah. But he said, he challenged the survey altogether. He said, I don't care if there's a, so you, you send a survey over, it's open to interpretation. It doesn't mean what the survey says is a hundred percent accurate. So that was like, oh, of course you can go and get a new survey done. Of course. Right. Yeah, no doubt. We did, which we did. Good. Okay. Great.
Just just a kind of a little a little real life anecdote. These are great stories. There's so many stories. I mean, we we have so many stories. I mean, our company's 24 years old, so we've seen so many scenarios um, come up. Right. So many, so many scenarios. We had one scenario where a woman bought a property and there was, uh, she actually planned to raise chickens on the property. And there was actually, you know, in that area, there was actually covenants and restrictions that says, you know, you can't raise chickens um some areas it's funny where you can raise chickens actually and you don't need any approval but you can't have a rooster <laughs> you can't have chickens but you can't have a rooster um so just things like that we've just we've seen it all perfect good excellent uh um, yeah. steve i wanna i, I want first of all um i want to say thank you not just for the time and the knowledge uh, and for sharing on a personal level, I have been, I feel like I've benefited a lot from this conversation. Thank you. I appreciate and that. It's not something I can say on every real estate conversation that I have. So I appreciate on a personal level to be educated and to learn. And I know there's more to it, but I think uh, um, there's a lot that you, you shared, a lot of really, really important points. I think the bottom line of this whole conversation, if there's something I cannot emphasize more, Never, ever, 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 ever do a transaction with that title. I cannot <laughs> see a reason why someone would, but people, people behave in a peopleish way. So that can happen. So if you ask me, all my, my clients, when they come to me, it's like, do you use title? Of course, of course. It's not that of an expensive and well worth it, in my opinion. And luckily, I only had to use title to correct something maybe twice or three times in my career, but it did happen. You know, it did happen. So always do that. Um, so I appreciate the, the, the wisdom and the pointers. Um, and I, I really hope that this conversation with people who will listen to it, I think it's one of the most important ones that I've had in a long time, will internalize some of the things we talked about because that will protect them. It will protect them. No doubt it will. Yeah. No doubt it will. Very good. Uh, thank you for the time. Thank you for the uh, information. A pleasure. I have a feeling this is not going to be our last conversation like this. Uh, we will just have to kind of shift to another topic uh, and we're probably going to talk about it offline. So again, thank you very much, Steve. You're welcome, Danny. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun today. Thanks thank, a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. You got it.